This podcast series is made possible thanks to the generous support of the Patient Care Foundation. The Patient Care Foundation supports medical students in need through scholarships. Each year, the Patient Care Foundation changes lives forever by giving deserving medical students facing incredible odds, funds to continue their education, resources as they deal with food, housing, and transportation insecurities, or other challenges in the wake of COVID-19. Thanks to Dr. Troy Elander, Chairman of the Patient Care Foundation Board, and Elizabeth Kurahara, board member. Welcome to this edition of Clear as Mud, the podcast dedicated to bringing clarity to medicine. I'm your host for this episode, Gustavo Friedrichson. We have three distinguished guests today. In fact, this episode, which is our fifth installment, is a first in that we have three distinguished physician leaders who launched startups to change medicine, improve healthcare, the patient experience, outcomes, efficiencies, reimbursement, and processes. With us today, we have Dr. George Fernang, co-founder of Mockingbird, which essentially streamlines continuing medical education and simplifies ongoing credentialing. Doctors continually share with us how frustrating the credentialing process is, and Mockingbird solves that problem. Dr. Fernand is an interventional cardiology specialist in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome to Clear as Mud, Dr. Fernand. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me over. I'm very excited to share what we do and to hear about everybody else's uh, products and, and great work that they've been doing. Next, we have with us Dr. John Karanji, founder of CareClix, a board-certified neuroradiologist. Dr. Karanji has co-built CareClix into a leading global telehealth solution. CareClix is literally a one-stop shop for all things telemedicine, and we all know that doctors are looking for a one-click shop with so many redundancies in medicine coupled with overwhelming documentation. CareClix offers a variety of telehealth technology and services for providers, organizations, and patients. Welcome, Dr. Karanji. Thank you, Gustavo. Thank you for inviting us. I'm happy to speak about what CareClix is doing. And finally, we have with us a sentinel success story on so many different levels. Dr. Frasayo Ozitelu founded Gentem, and his LinkedIn page summarizes his passion, helping physicians run viable medical practices and remain independent by simplifying the reimbursement experience. Fasayo is a Stanford-educated physician whose passion to get providers reimbursed faster with minimal administrative costs. Welcome, Fasayo. Thank you, Gustavo. Looking forward to this. So let's get started. You know, you're probably wondering why the term clear as mud. Why do we call this podcast clear as mud? That's what every guest asks. And first of all, I didn't come up with the name. A physician came up with the name. He said, medicine is confusing is confusing enough. We need to simplify it, make it more accessible and efficient. So hopefully today we will bring clarity to three areas needing your solutions, the patient experience space, the documentation space, and the reimbursement space. And if I'm missing something, we'll definitely do a deep dive into those areas that I'm missing, right? Um, I'll begin by asking each of you to describe your companies, your inspiration, your motivation for building something extraordinary. And then we will have a conversation so our members can understand the value of CareClicks, GenTem, and Mockingbird, and what you bring to their practices and their, these organizations. For all of you to know, because some of you may not know, LACMA is the largest regional medical association in the country. We cover over 5,000 square miles, representing more than 29,000 physicians. That's more than New York, Chicago, and Boston, for example. And this is our 150th year. So I also use the term startup to describe LACMA because we are a 150-year-old startup, as I say. We are agile, nimble, creative, innovative, and that's why we're working very closely with companies like yours. So let's start with Dr. Fernand. Tell us about Mockingbird, when you started it, why you started it, and kind of like the journey you've been on these several years, if you wouldn't mind, Dr. Fernand. Absolutely. So um, 
Mockingbird started as, as an idea when I met my co-founder, Dr. Ian Madame, who's a practicing orthopedic surgeon in Rhode Island. Uh, we met in business school. And we had some classmates that were doctors, uh, PAs, uh, nurses, midwives. And, and we realized we had all the same pain point. We have multiple licenses, certifications, and board requirements. And they constantly changed the rules and the requirements. Everything is asynchronous. And we were always scrambling to find the right education, make sure that we we're meeting the deadlines, and sometimes getting literally hounded by administration to provide evidence of CME requirements and licenses. And then we would try to look in our file cabinet, in our computer for that evidence, only to realize that everything we did had expired already. And we said, what if we had one platform? that would monitor all of that first, all of that for us. Let's say I put everything that I do as a physician, my four board certifications, my three medical state licenses, my ACLS card, everything that I have. And this platform will monitor the rules, adjust the requirements that I need to do, give me fair warning, and at the same time, curate the CME that I need to, to um, meet those requirements so that I'm not looking for education and spending time looking for that education. And then what if all that evidence is on this one platform so that administrators don't need to call me anymore. They can just go into my account, pull the materials that they need, and then I could use all that free time and extra time to spend with my patients or spend with my family. And that was our goal. That was what we wanted to do, that, that burden we wanted to lift from our colleagues. And that's how Mockingbird started. Fantastic and exciting. And we're going to get much deeper into Mockingbird um, as we go forward. So thank you for that. You know, John, I want to have you talk about Clicks. I mean, it just seems like the telehealth space is so saturated. You guys have really sort of kind of like broken through all that. Can you describe for the audience, which again, many of our doctors are probably going to hear about you for the first time, even though we've been promoting you for some time. So what can you tell us about Clicks? when you started, why you started it, and um, then we'll get into where you are today. Sure. Thank you. Thanks, Gustavo. We started CareClicks back in 2012, really with the premise of enabling provider groups of various sizes to virtualize their medical practices. Obviously, at the time, there was less effort made towards uh, telehealth from medical groups across the board. And that's obviously changed over the last several years, and particularly the last year. But originally, you know, the, the whole concept was how do we enable doctors to virtualize their practices? How do we improve access to care from patients that may be anywhere across the country or for that matter, worldwide, they need access to care? How do we create solutions and technologies that enable that to happen? That's kind of how we started CareClicks. I mean, from there, what we've done is essentially created a, a solution that enables organizations, large and small, we work with anywhere from small group practices, individual doctors, all the way to hospital systems, where we essentially enable them to virtualize their practices, create what we refer to as virtual hospitals. If they're large organizations, virtual clinics, if, if, they're, if they're smaller organizations, and then within those, multiple set of features. So if it's an example, if it's a surgical group, there's features that are amenable for, for them. If it's a cardiology group, things that are amenable for them. If it's a dermatology group, solutions that are amenable for them. Essentially being able to allow them to customize those quote-unquote virtual clinics or those quote-unquote virtual hospitals that will now allow them to see patients, regardless of where that patient is, through the CareClicks application. So that's a kind of high level what we've done and enable groups to do. And obviously through that whole process, streamlining a lot of the efforts for billing that needs to happen virtually, um, scheduling, interfacing with different uh, EHR systems and so forth. So a lot of that's what's been put in place 
So we take brick and mortars and we essentially virtualize them and now allow them to function and, we'll, and now this new virtual uh, healthcare world. And that's kind of what we've done. Yeah, Sean, that's, that's incredibly exciting. Um, as you know, pre-COVID, doctors knew about telehealth, we're talking about it, we're asking about it, we're kicking the tires, so to speak. And during COVID, and I just can talk on behalf of what we faced here in LA, telehealth became the topic of conversation. You know, how do I pivot? How do I transform? How do I transition, right, to this new world that I wasn't paying attention to before, but now I need to pay attention to it because my patients aren't coming in or they're afraid to come in. Um, So we'll get into that deeper as well, but I want to just share that with you that in this market in LA, and I'm sure it's the same across the country, if not the world, that sort of like using a technical platform, a digital platform interface has been a game changer. So I want to get more to that in a little bit too. So Fasayo, you're in a space that doctors are constantly talking about as well. They're constantly talking about getting reimbursed appropriately, right? They felt like, and they feel like they're not getting paid what they should be paid for whatever it is they're doing, whatever, whatever modality, whatever treatment based on state, fed and payers, right? And that's been the battle is that the doctors are waging not just their own battle to care for their patients appropriately, but to be compensated for that care. Can you talk a little bit about how you started with a former Facebook engineer to launch your company and then walk us through what Gentem, Gentem does specifically for doctors and their practices? Definitely. So we started Gentem in 2019, a couple of years ago. And as you said, we, we started because of some of the challenges that our physicians were facing with reimbursements. And the bottom line is, it's just getting harder and harder to run a viable practice. If you're in private practice, if you're an independent physician. And so our goal is really to simplify uh, the reimbursement experience make sure that doctors get paid on time and in full. And we leverage a, a range of technologies uh, in automation and really understanding the rules and policies of payers across the board to make sure that uh, our doctors are getting paid fully and in a timely fashion as well. I think the difference between us is that we have a distinct fintech play to what we do, which means that we've layered on an ability for doctors to get paid upfront. So instead of waiting months uh, or weeks or months to get paid, uh, we can essentially price your your claim and then pay you a percentage of that upfront while we work on the back end to resolve those claims. And so what that does is that obviously it, it gives uh, peace of mind. It, it obviously improves the cash flow and, you know, doctors really able to focus on what matters most, which is the patient and not all the administrative complexity and just all that, all the, all the pain associated with dealing with insurance or collecting from patients and stuff like that. And, you know, I think we're all familiar with the, with the challenges with the increased uh, consolidation in the industries, doctors dropping out and getting acquired or just joining a, a big uh, health system and all the issues and challenges with that essentially being a cog in the wheel of, of a large health system. And, and even if you look at the outcomes in, both in an inpatient or hospital system versus a non-hospital system, their prices are, are cheaper outside of a hospital, so more affordable for patients. And, you know, there's just more satisfaction across the board in a non-hospital, non-health system standpoint. And so, We really want to ensure that private practice remains viable. Uh, We really believe in in small to medium-sized businesses. We're dealing with healthcare organizations ranging from under a million dollars to 20 plus million dollars in revenues. And so we really believe that a segment of our ecosystem remains viable and we're providing a range of solutions, both in the tech standpoint and also in the the financing standpoint. So that's what we do in a nutshell. 
So I have a follow-up question for you on that topic. Are you finding that more of the younger entrepreneurial doctors gravitate right to a Gentem, or is it the older ones who want to, you know, maximize reimbursement, or it could be any physician in any type of practice? Yeah, it's it's really across the board. We we see folks that are just getting started and folks that are really frustrated with their existing situation, their existing solution. And so we're seeing folks across the board for the folks that are just getting started, obviously having a partner like us that can help them from credentialing all the way up to getting started, startup capital, growing is, is very appealing. And then there's some folks that are more mature that just really want a specific problem solved. And then we can step in and, and intervene as needed. So it's really across the board. I think what makes what we do unique is that we we built our systems from ground up in, in Silicon Valley. We're a Silicon Valley based company. As you mentioned earlier, our, our tech team is both in the healthcare, but we also look for folks outside of healthcare so that we can really bring some of the best modalities and technologies that the healthcare industry may not have focused on to bear in our in our systems. And so we just leverage uh, different different industries to make sure that we're keeping up the pace and delivering great outcomes for our folks. Great. Thank you for that, Pasayo. George, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot to you for a second. A number of years ago I met with the CEO of a large medical group. He said to me one day, Gustavo, I would join LACMA if you can solve my credentialing problem. And this is long before I met your you and your team at Mockingbird. He said it was the biggest headache and if someone could create a, a sort of like silver bullet around credentialing, we would probably form a partnership. And trust me, I'm going to make the introductions to you all to this individual even today after three years. So I will, I'll make those introductions next week. But along those lines of the credentialing headache, George, a lot of our doctors are in private practice. You know, we have over 700 physicians that are in private practice, and then the rest are in these small, medium-sized groups, and then large institutional um, organizations like Permanente, UCLA, and LA County, to name some. But how, how do you kind of like articulate what Mockingbird does to the independent doctor who may, you know, it's a headache, but it's just a, a headache he or she has to deal with? What's the elevator speech, if you would, George, if you could just indulge us for a couple of minutes on the credentialing uh, solution that you all provide? Well, one, I, I was like them. I, I was a private practitioner for over 10 years. So it's a headache that takes a lot of time. And this product is very nimble and mobile for them. It will save them the time that they need and organize them much better so that they could use that time for other things such as seeing their patients or even spending time with their family. You know, once I start talking to them and say, okay, how long do you spend looking for CME? How many times have you been called with you by your affiliated hospital to find 50 CMEs? And then you're scrambling for a couple of hours trying to figure out where those CMEs are only to realize that 15 of them were over three years old and don't count anymore. Now you have to do 15 CMEs in the next 48 hours to meet their requirements. These are stories that all of us have and had at one time. And this platform solves that. It saves them time at the end of the day, time that's extremely valuable for a physician or a nurse or a PA. And that's my elevator pitch. Just think about the last time somebody asked for evidence of your CME or that you were behind yeah, those are great points. This is why it's it's so exciting to have three physician leaders on, on, on this podcast, because you all know physicians listen to physicians. And when they're hearing from other company executives that maybe have a sales background or a business background or a marketing background, it just doesn't have the same teeth as hearing it from people like yourselves that are physicians who started something based on need, based on problem. 
right? Um, and so I, I appreciate I appreciate that. And um, I'm going to go back to John and you know, John, your users are now in the millions, not the thousands or so, but the millions, and they're across the not just here in the United States, but globally based on, again, the telehealth world that we're in. Similar question, how do you respond to a doctor who's very skeptical about telehealth? I'm not touching my patient. The personal visit is what I expect and what I demand. You know, telehealth is is there, but I don't know how to use it. Is it user-friendly, doctor-friendly, patient-friendly? How do you respond to those sort of objections posed by physicians that are not seeing telehealth as really the way of the future? Yeah, I, I look at telehealth and what's happening now is an evolution in healthcare delivery. So if we think back, you know, 50 years ago, most of healthcare happened uh, in health in hospitals. And the, uh, hospitals were the center of where healthcare was delivered. Doctors were in the hospitals. And that's kind of how healthcare w- w- happened. Through the 70s and 80s and through the 90s and, and now, we've seen this transition to outpatient healthcare delivery, right? So you've got outpatient surgery centers, imaging centers, doctor's offices, more and more procedures, more and more patients are being seen on an outpatient basis, just simply for the ease, ease of access to care, cost, et cetera, that makes that much more amenable than going into an inpatient type setting to get healthcare. Virtual care and telehealth where we are now is just like so continuum of healthcare delivery, right? As we go more and more towards a patient-centric healthcare delivery model, virtual care becomes much more prevalent because it's it's that entry point to healthcare delivery. We've got the technology nowadays through video, audio, uh, wearable diagnostic devices and so forth, where we can deliver care to patients irregardless of where they are. So whether we like it or not, there's transition being ha- happening within healthcare where virtual is now coming into play. And like I said, it's just a continuum of care that's happening uh, for patients and doctors and providers of, of various various types to deliver healthcare services. The access to care, the quality of care, the costs associated with it, et cetera, makes virtual just make sense. We've seen that now with sort of COVID and everything that's happened over the past past year. So I think that you know, for anybody who doesn't has never been in that space who is skeptical about it. I think the way we the way we look at it and the way I've described it to people before is, you know, if you have four rooms in your office, just think of this as the fifth. And it's a virtual room. And there's certain things you do in one of your rooms where you just you have a procedure room, you have a follow-up visit room. Now you have a virtual room where you can see not patients remotely for initial consultations, follow-up visits, whatever the case may be, but you now have an extra room that you can use to see more patients. And if your medical practice and where throughput's important, you know, cash flow is important, now you can see patients much faster, much easier through these sort of virtual care uh, settings. And that's kind of what we do for groups when we help set them up. Yeah. And the other thing too, um, John, as you know, is that physicians as they're, you know, putting their toe in the water with telehealth, then they ask the question about remote patient, you know, monitoring. Then they ask the question of EMR integration. Um, and so I'm going to pose the question to you too, you know, with the issue of RPM with EMR, because doctors will tend to bring up, look, it just doesn't sync with my EMR, or I don't know how to deploy a real robust RPM program because there's, do I lease, do I buy, do I rent? There's devices, there's a lot of complexity to that. How would you articulate what I call a more of a simplified strategic approach to really a more holistic solution for the practice, right? Where it's EMR integration, RPM integration, um, and you address the patient experience part too. How would you address that? Sure. Yeah. W- one of the things we've done to make people's life easier as they kind of transition to this virtual world is we've made it so that we can start very simple. So if it's just simply having a virtual environment where you're just doing audiovisual consultations with patients and that's where you want to stop, you can do that. But we all know that that may be the first step. As the practice grows, as the physician group becomes more comfortable with providing virtual care, they're going to add other components. They may want to become integrated with their 
EHR system, depending on the patient populations they may have, they want to integrate with diagnostic wearable devices and so forth. So those are all things that can be added on. So as a group grows, what we've done at CareClix is we, we've allowed people to add those pieces on. So it's really a it can be it can be scaled up and scaled down to whatever extent um, is necessary for that group to grow. So that patient experience can be very simple in, in the sense they can be a simple, you know, virtual online audiovisual encounter. Just for like I said initially, a, a, a first time visit. It can be a follow visit and so forth. But it can be scaled up tremendously. Where this same application that we're using now for patients in outpatient setting is the same application people are using in an in inpatient, you know, ER ICU type setting. It's just a matter of enabling features that now allow for different diagnostic devices to come in place and be able to see those patients irregardless of where they are. So from a provider's perspective, I can be sitting at my office at work, I'm be at an office at home, wherever I may be, and I can see patients across the spectrum of healthcare delivery, whether it's they're at home, whether they're in my office across town, whether they're in a, in a referring doctor's office, or whether they're in the ER, ICU, or as, a, as, a, as an inpatient, I can see all of them leveraging CareClicks the way we've kind of structured it. Fantastic. And thank you for that, John. Fayo, I'm going to pivot back to you for a second. About five years ago, we engaged with a billing and coding specialist in a very traditional way. And she was you know, brought on board to help, quote unquote, practices deal with their billing and coding issues. You've kind of taken that to a whole different level. So if a, CIO, if a doctor asks, for example, I do need help with billing, I do need help with coding, I do need help with collections, you've kind of blown that all up, right? In terms of a, a one-stop shop to get the reimbursement to a much better and healthier place. What would be your elevator speech to a doctor who says, look, I've got a biller, I've got a coder already, I'm not following all the regs, I'm not following all the things that I need to be following, I just don't have time. What would be your conversation with that doctor? How would that sort of sound like, if you will? Yeah, I would say we're, we're more, more than a billing company. Like I mentioned, we are also in the practice of helping doctors thrive. So respect to the capital as well. But what we typically do is that we have something called a billing analysis where we just look at your data and analyze it across a number of dimensions and essentially help you identify where you're leaving money on the table, how to optimize certain things. So we provide that value upfront at no cost to just really get uh, the, the provider to see how, what their current situation is, right? I know doctors are very data-driven and so we lead with data and we speak data as well. So we provide that uh, billing analysis uh, upfront. A big part of the challenges we found is that our organizations that work with us, uh, before working with us, really mentioned not having transparency and visibility into the revenue cycle process. So what are really the drivers of their denials, for instance? You know, what are the performance of, of certain payers? Things that might be available on the enterprise level with, with large uh, hospital systems. On the SMB level, on the mid-market level, smaller shops don't necessarily have this kind of uh, sophisticated data analysis. And so our platform, we built it from the ground up to be extremely easy to use, really see where you are from a revenue perspective, you, your, the status of your claims, the drivers of your, of your business, the drivers of denials, and have all of that in a one-stop shop where you can easily consume. But not only that, we provide insights as well. So in addition to, to just really doing the, the work, automating certain things like the eligibility, the coding, the, the submission, the follow-up, we're providing these insights in a way that a lot of folks are actually not used to because they're used to just being a small shop or you know, not having this level of data. So we really use data and we call it revenue intelligence to empower our folks 
our, our partners, as we like to call them, to, to really um, make the best decisions and grow and thrive. And typically, we're able to increase revenues by up to uh, 15, sometimes 20 percent just by fixing things, helping them optimize their processes and coding. And that's what I would say. If you want to take a data-driven approach to your business, if you want to position yourself for the future and not always feel like you're drowning, uh, if you want a, a, a partner that gets it, that is, uh, like my colleagues have mentioned here, really tech forward, really looking at the future, helping you to, to work in a, in a in a variety of different scenarios, I think you know you should definitely consider Genta because we're we're tech first and we definitely on the side of the physicians. So uh, I I just have to say what John and Fazio just sort of mentioned about their their products as a practicing physician it really resonates with me. and what I've seen over the last few years is to be done in the future. I think this program is is great because. I'm pretty sure a large percentage of practicing physicians are not even aware that there are solutions to problems, problems that they usually just ignore and say, I'm just going to push through it and figure it out and just get through my day. And that's sort of how we're trained is just to continuously keep pushing ourselves at our limits because we can't necessarily look for help or ask for help, find, have time to find this. So I just want to say that I'm absolutely blown away about what I'm hearing. And I really hope that we can reach out to our colleagues because there are ways to make their lives better, right? There are solutions out there and solutions that are created by physicians. So we understand where they're coming from. So I'm just very impressed with the panel today. Yeah, no, George, I appreciate that. Just so the three of you know, um, I've been working with all of your teams and you've got amazing teams, right? And we created this portfolio to essentially do what you all have been doing to solve problems for our doctors. You know, we're not the type of organization that just has discounts at, at Starbucks, right? Or medical malpractice information. Almost every medical society has the same portfolio. The lack of portfolio mirrors what you all have built. Much more innovative, much more the tech space. You'll see the portfolio is comprised of a lot of startups because startups get it. They, they know that they got to solve problems and they have a sense of urgency. And all of you have a sense of urgency, I can tell. The other thing is I wanted the three of you to meet, to collaborate, to connect to share. And what I'd like to do is take this a step further, which is, and it may take another four years to, to get this on the calendar, <laughs> but to have the three of you finally get in front of our doctors. But I will share as three of doctors, as you all know, the three of you are a little bit unique in that you're not just physicians, but you're running companies. Well, doctors are running companies as well. They're just smaller companies, right? And they have to understand that we're all in this together. But as my team will know, and the, a few of them are on the call right now, you know, when we hold webinars and WebExes and Zoom calls, we might get 300 RSVPs and 100 show up on the Zoom call because of just how busy they are. But to have the three of you in front of our membership would be a game changer. Just to have this conversation would be a game changer. So I want to continue to promote who you are, what you do, the problems that you solve, and to get the three of you in front of our membership um, would be extraordinary. I want to stop for a second to do something else, and that is to allow any members of your marketing, sales, business development teams to point out to me in real time <laughs> what I've missed, the questions I haven't asked, areas that you want to cover for each of your respective companies. So I want to, whether it's you know anyone from the Mockingbird team, from the Gen 10 team, or obviously from the Caraclix team. And I, again, let's be respect, respectful. I know they're all going to jump in right now probably, but I gave them a chance in the chat room to, to ask any questions in the chat room. But if any of you have any questions that 
I haven't asked or areas you think we need to cover. Let's do that for the, for the next 10 or so minutes, if you wouldn't mind. So anyone from the, the respective teams have any questions or, ant- or areas that I haven't covered? Please share those now. Yeah, this is Sal. You know, I'd like uh, Dr. Karangi to maybe spend a little bit more time talking about our approach to remote patient monitoring and behavioral health and uh, substance abuse. I know those two areas seems to be coming up uh, more and more the more people that I speak with. So that's what I'd like to hear about, if you don't mind. Thanks. Not at all, Dr. Karangi. If you can answer that, that'd be wonderful. Thank you. So in terms of what we've been doing with remote patient monitoring, sort of chronic care management, is that we've structured our application such that we recognize there's a few hundred devices that are in the uh, wearable space in terms of diagnostic FDA-approved devices to, to, to monitor blood pressure, heart rate, glucometers, spirometers, pulse oximeters, weight scales, thermometers, and so forth. There's a number of devices that are out there. So what we've done is we're not obviously not a hardware manufacturer, but we work with all the major vendors that are, that are out there and we structure our, our software so that we can receive data from all these different uh, hardware applications, hardware solutions that are out there. So you can walk into CVS as an example, buy a, a Bluetooth enabled you know, glucometer and plug and play that with a click solution. So it really gives flexibility to the medical groups to say, okay, well, if, if some of them have gone out down the path of doing like a remote monitoring program and they come back and say, well, you know what, this is great. We want to grow this, but the application we're using is non-scalable. Uh, it's proprietary or it doesn't, it's just simply a remote monitoring solution, but it doesn't give us the, the robust virtual care components that that we need. They can simply take those same hardware devices and plug and play that with CareClicks and, and then make, make the whole solution work. So they won't have to scrap everything and start from scratch. It also enables them to be able to recognize the fact, and we do this for groups that we work with because we know all these devices, but from a costing perspective, there's a number of different price points for, for these wearable devices. We've got you know a, a pulse oximeter anywhere from, let's say, $25 up to $250. Just like anything else, there's reasons why those prices are where they are. Again, we're not hardware manufacturers, but those can be plug and play with our solution. And it gives the group flexibility to, to say whether they want to go down the path of procuring this hardware versus that hardware and so forth. It allows them to do that. The other nice thing about it is uh, what we found is more and more devices are being manufactured as we speak. I've seen devices in the orthopedic space to manage range of motion and, and track patients postoperatively. Again, the way we structure our program is that you can take those pieces and plug and play that with what, with what we're doing. So it really gives a lot of flexibility. So, you know, people are using this uh, from the basic, you know, glucometer, managing diabetics, blood pressure cuffs, managing hypertensives, all the way to, like I said, postoperative patients who may be a you know, post-knee replacement that needs to, you know, track range of motion to make sure this patient doesn't come back for re- readmissions and hence cause readmission penalties that the hospitals are facing and so forth. So there's a lot of different tools that are in there for it. The biggest things we've seen so far is one on the on the remote monitoring patient remote patient monitoring side of things is the reimbursements that are out there for this. So Medicare obviously now is reimbursing for a lot of remote patient monitoring. And so we've got tools in place that are now enables the medical practices to be able to get reimbursed for those solutions that they're using for their patient populations. And then on the on the hospital side, as I mentioned, readmissions is a big deal. And uh, we've got tools in place to help with readmissions. One of the things that we're working on right now um, that'll be in one of our, on our upcoming uh, probably quarterly or second, probably first quarter of 2022, we'll release is, is more on the tracking heat scores, star ratings, these sorts of things that are really uh, useful for, for organizations to be able to help improve scores that they have to, uh, that they have to respond to and so forth. In terms of uh, mental health, what we've done there is um, sort of created virtually this multidisciplinary approach to 
mental health. One of the things that I mentioned earlier is what we've done as we built out our software solution over the last several years, when we first started, we started building out a medical group to support the software. Because as you mentioned earlier, when we first started, many groups were not practicing you know, telehealth and telehealth was not on the radar for many groups, but there was a need for it, right? We had, uh, we had organizations, mostly on the payer side, on the benefit side of, of the healthcare landscape that wanted these services. So we built out, as we built out technology, we built out in parallel to that, a multi-specialty medical group that now spans about 30 countries that delivers healthcare services to various organizations, both in the US, but also globally. And so on the mental health side of things, we have this multidisciplinary approach that organizations can tap into. So even if you're a mental health provider that wants to get support from, let's say, social workers, psychologists, and so forth, to enhance your practice, you can. But if you're a multi-specialty group, if you're some sort of a, a, a large group that wants to tap into our, our, our mental health uh, a program, you can as well. So that's something that some organizations take advantage of. And so in some ways, what we do is, and when I describe this to organizations, what I say, the way we structure things is sort of, we build out the clinic and or the hospital as the first step, and then we staff it. You can staff it with your own providers. You can support it with our providers if you wish. And just think of it as virtual staffing. You may not have a, a you know, after hours, let's say, or urgent care doctor to cover from uh, six to 12. We can always tap it, you know, use our medical group and tap into it to, to provide coverage where you have gaps in coverage. And so again, our whole premise of what we do is we help, we want to support medical practices, support medical organizations, enable them to deliver medical services to their patient populations, improve access to care. And that's kind of the stuff that we try to structure over the last few years as we've been growing. Appreciate that, John. Uh, Fasayo, George, same question, but maybe if you had a chance to, to really have a direct conversation with every LACMA member. So if you could mention, and John, you did a great job articulating everything that you all provide in the future of CareClix as, as well, right? In the future of medicine. But Fasayo and George, this is an opportunity to talk directly to LACMA members and LACMA physicians. Um, we'll start with Fasayo. What could you tell a LACMA doctor who might be on the fence with, you know, how do I get reimbursed? I don't know about technology. I'm a little bit skittish about technology. I love your approach of it's more strategic, right? It's more of a business sort of approach to looking at the whole business model. But I'd like for you to address LACMA members specifically, if you could, about what Gentem does. Yeah, all I'll say just to add is that you need someone on your side and someone that really understands what it is to be a physician. Someone that is, has a vested interest in you succeeding and building a thriving business, not someone that is trying to just nickel and dime and sort of exploit as a lot of players in this industry unfortunately have done. I think we take a more holistic approach to the problem. It's not just about technology. It's about people. It's about process. It's about capital. It's about all those things coming together to position you for the next, for the, for the future, which is happening now. How do you see your, how do you see your business in the next five years, 10 years? What are your goals? Really helping you uh, build a pathway to that goal and recognizing that really think your, your revenue, your reimbursements are, are, are really what is a critical thing here, right? Building a thriving business, making sure that your cost structure is in a place that it needs to be, you know, like some of my colleagues have mentioned here, you know, telehealth is a big deal that changes your cost structure, right? It, it reduces some fixed costs in, in, in some, some regard while um, increasing your revenue, right? Uh, increasing your profitability. So really having the ability to have a much more sophisticated conversation. Uh, my other colleagues, credentialing, that's that's a huge deal. How do you make sure that, you know, because if your docs or your providers are not credentialed, 
you know, you're not going to get paid or that responsibility falls to the patient, which could be, uh, you know, poor patient experience. And a lot of folks are, are struggling to pay now. So all these things come together to make sure that, you know, you just have to think about the future of your, of your practice, especially if you're in private practice or you're independent, really having a conversation with us. We might not be a fit, but I think it might be worth just talking to us to see what is out there, to see how a company that was started two years ago is approaching this problem to see how things can be done when you're bringing a fresh lens to things. You know, I've worked in in fintech, a company called NerdWallet is actually how I started in the business world. NerdWallet is a, is a fintech company that does a lot of education on financial products, right? I also worked in private equity, so I understand a lot of the things happening. So I would say, reach out, you know, let's have a conversation and just see different approaches to, you know, solving this age old problem of denials of, you know, changing pair policies of this constant back and forth. Just give us a, give us a call, give us a trial and, you know, see what happens. Josiah, I appreciate you and appreciate what you've built um, over just the last two and a half, three years. Um, George, any final words from you? And, because Mockingbird is such a differentiator of the market in the space, right? You know, what words can you give a, a LACMA physician directly around the importance of what Mockingbird does? And also want to give you kudos as well for your commitment to diversity within your own team, within your own organization. So I wanted to just start with that too. Yeah, you know, we, we built this platform with the clinician experience in mind. Right, that you know, not not a hospital system, but, but the actual front view end user. If you've used an app, you can use our product because it's app based. I've done CMEs on on a mountain slope watching my kids do ski lessons. It's that simple. But healthcare is an ecosystem. All three of our products actually meld well together. I mean, telehealth is big. But in order to do telehealth, you have to have multiple licenses. So you need a license in the state that you're in. You need a DEA in the state that you're in. And all the state licenses have all different requirements, whether it's CME numbers or this opioid test or some geriatric course that you have to take. So that's where Mockingbird could fit in with you know, John's company saying, look, we have a partner that can manage all your credentialing and make sure that you're up to date with your state licenses and you don't have to worry about it. We're going to tell you what you need to do and drive you to the courses that you need to take. And then for Physio, you do the same thing, right? We'll make sure that you're board certified, that the insurance companies are really happy with all your credentials and that, you know, you can get paid for the work that you do. You don't need to worry about it. So I think people forget that we are an ecosystem. Physicians have always been sort of siloed many decades competitive with each other. And I think this is the time to say, look, we're, we're one group of people trying to provide great care to our patients. How can we all work together, help each other to grow the pie, make our lives easier, and therefore provide better outcomes to our patients? Because we know we can help them. Appreciate that, George. So the goal here is really to create some traction around your brands, your offerings, and what you do in the market and how you're really changing healthcare on so many different levels. I also want to just, again, give props to the team that put this together. All of your respective teams work really hard to get you get your calendars in sync and to create this podcast. I want to give just credit to all of your teams. And I just want to conclude with just, again, if it wasn't for the Patient Care Foundation, which Dr. Troy Elander is the chair of that, we wouldn't have the funding to create this podcast and keep this podcast going in a, in a real healthy direction. Uh, any Final thoughts or comments from anyone on the call? Thank you for everything. Yeah. 
Uh, thank you. And, thank you so and much. I look forward to talking to all of you offline and definitely maintaining our, our relationship. And definitely. I added you uh, both on LinkedIn. And Gustavo, thank you so much for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. It's my pleasure. And thanks for listening to Clear as Mud. I really want to encourage our members to, to go to our website, ladocs.org, and, and visit the preferred partner section, the benefits section, and really just navigate the opportunities and the resources we have for you there. Um, check out the Monday RX and the Tuesday RX to learn about the offerings. And of course, download the Clear as Mud podcast and share this with your, with your colleagues. So tune in next time to, to Clear as Mud. With that, I'll say thank you and thanks for listening to Clear as Mud. Be safe and, and have a joyous and healthy week. Thank you again. Thank you.